Hello, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast for all of us looking to bring more love and more courage into our daily lives. I'm Reverend Elaine, one of your hosts. You know, I think of myself as an open-minded person, very accepting. I mean, I'm a Unitarian Universalist, and we're all about the wide embrace. But then something will happen and I will see just how tiny my zone of acceptance really is. Weird stuff will bubble up before I even have any time to censor or examine it. Like, I'm open-minded, but hmm, should I let my kid have a play date with her friend whose parents probably voted totally differently than me? The answer is yes, by the way. I'm open-minded. But every time I get into my car, I'm always drawing these very particular conclusions about every single driver on the road based on their speed, type of car, and collection of stickers, or lack thereof. I'm open-minded, but there are so many ways that racism and other prejudices embedded in our culture have undoubtedly colonized my psyche and impact my thoughts and actions and nervous system before my conscious mind gets a chance to have any kind of say. Today, we're joined by Mary Cleekin and Terry Ashley, two members and two strong leaders here at Foothills, as they share their own humbling learning experiences uh, that took place at the Unitarian Universalist General Assembly in June and discovered some of the limits of their own open-mindedness, which I can totally relate to. First, we'll hear Mary, and then we'll hear Terry share parts of the chalice lighting they recently offered at Foothills. If you're still getting to know Unitarian Universalism, lighting a flaming chalice is something we do at the beginning of most gatherings to ground ourselves and remind ourselves of our shared values and why we've come together. So after we hear their chalice lighting words, We'll go on to a brief conversation I got to have with Mary and Terry talking more about their experiences. We have some laughs, and I did get surprised by their responses to some of my questions. Listener, I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. When I heard that Gretchen was invited to lead the closing service at this year's UU General Assembly, my immediate reaction was, I just have to go. Um, and then I talked to my friend, Terry, and she had the same reaction that I did. So we immediately started planning to head to Portland in June. I, I don't think I fully realized until we got there uh, just how much of an honor it was for Gretchen. And we, uh, we were told many, many people came up to us and said, this is so wonderful that Gretchen is doing this, you know. Um, and it is also an honor for our congregation. Um, I think it, it, it's a, certainly a recognition of the extraordinary work of Gretchen and our ministry team and our whole congregation in the midst of these extraordinary times. The pandemic, the political upheaval, the cultural challenges of the last several years have led many ministers across the country to leave the ministry. But here, just the opposite. Gretchen and Sean and Elaine and the whole team went into overdrive. They really have been amazing. And the UUA 
recognize that. Clearly, the highlight of the DA for us was Gretchen leading the Sunday service alongside Sean. Many of you watched the simulcast here, so you know what I mean. It was quite special, and it was really special to have a front row seat in the room where it happened and to feel all of that collective energy. The second highlight was the Ware Lecture given by Ibram X. Kendi. And he's the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist. And many of us have studied his work over the last several years. But the most impactful takeaway for us was simply being in this huge, huge space with several thousand new youth experiencing the diversity, the diversity of thought, the diversity of religious practices, and at the same time, the commitment to the same shared values, feeling the powerful energy of hope and promise, and also feeling the challenge of living up to those values that we espouse. We really are all in this together, and this is not an easy thing. I want to share what Mary said. It was an incredibly joyous experience to be among so many Unitarians. People who come together to uphold the principle that we don't need to believe alike to love alike. I was abuzz with the energy of that, feeling safe and secure and happy in a way that I hadn't felt in a long time until Thursday morning. Mary and I had heard wonderful things about a minister from Greensboro, North Carolina, and so started our GA day that Thursday morning by attending a worship service led by Reverend Sadie Lansdale, which turned out to be a very charismatic Christian-like service. There were praise hands. There was call and response. There were loud amens. There was communion. I was shocked, really shocked. Which brings me to this confession. My first thought was, who let them in here? And my second thought was, oh my God, where did that them language come from? Holy smokes, my conviction that we don't let, need to believe alike, to love alike had just flown out the window. This reaction continues to confound and humble me. As Unitarians, we embrace the concept of religious pluralism. We believe that we all come from the same source and all share the same final destination, whatever that is. In the middle, we're figuring things out together and we all hold a piece of the truth. What I realized at GA is that I still have some blind spots and biases that are not in alignment with the faith I profess. I have some serious work to do. And if I ignore that, I'm shutting out a lot of truth and missing out on more ways to love. So today we light our chalice in honor of all who welcome all into our church and into our hearts. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Mary. I love hearing you speak from the heart and describe what it was like to go to this gigantic gathering of Unitarian Universalists and see Gretchen and so many other speakers. 
Terry, I'm wondering what was it like for you when you lit the chalice with these words to name a blind spot that doesn't sound like is something you feel very proud of. It was something really vulnerable to do. Um, what was it like for you to share that with the congregation? I was actually, I was really worried when I was writing this. If, I was really concerned if it was the right thing to say, but it kept holding on to me. It felt like a story that needed to be told. And one that was a little, well, certainly embarrassing, maybe a little bit shameful to, to realize that I had this kind of uh, prejudice that I, I despise in other people. You know, I, I, that's one of the reasons that I am not a part of an exclusionary religious community because I feel so strongly that we need to be open and inclusive. And here I found myself wanting to exclude people who were in our very church to get with us at General Assembly. It was, and, and still continues to um, confuse me and challenge me. Uh, I'm going to continue to do some writing on this and really consciously spotlighting this awareness in myself to see other places that it pops up in my day-to-day -day interactions with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Mary. I was just going to say, we feel like the words of we welcome everyone into our church. But then when we saw that, when we were at that service, it felt really foreign. And to me, it felt like the Catholicism that I had rejected. Mm -hmm. And and so it's very challenging to be there and to recognize that that's a piece of Unitarianism that's alive and well in many places, but we're not used to it in our church. And it struck me that we uh, affirm all these different ways of looking at God and our theology is wide, but we tend to individually carve out a space that we accept. And even though somebody else carves out a different space, it was just surprising to us to, to be at a service like this in the midst of the UU General Assembly. If we had gone to a Christian workshop or something, it would have been normal. But for us, it it felt sort of shocking because in a way it was really a, um, a wake-up call mm -hmm. for us to say wait a minute we're, we espoused this idea of, of various different religious practices but at the same time uh, when we were face to face with it we we felt wait a minute not that far kind of Thing, you know? I, I like what you said, Mary, that if we had gone to a, a, a Christian service, gone into a Christian church, we would have, we would have been more comfortable. I, I would have gone in with my translators on, you know, and, but I didn't have them. And honestly, it, it just jammed up my circuits. When I think back to that service, I cannot remember one thing that woman said. And she was a really spiritually beautiful person. I could tell that by her she just had this aura and I saw her later in other in other settings and she just looked like someone I would so love to get to know but in that moment during that service I did not hear one word she said I was just so jammed up with what you know the the projections I had about what communion meant or what praise hands means or any of those things that were foreign to me I, I just had 
so much interference from that that I couldn't hear her message. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to know, because you know, what you're describing, I think, happens to us in a lot of different contexts where you come into a space expecting to feel comfortable, to know what's going to happen next, for it to feel familiar and to feel a sense of belonging. And instead, um, whatever is happening in that space or with those people feels foreign and your circuits get jammed up. Yeah. And I wonder, how did you stay engaged? What kept you from just turning around and leaving? either during and even after. <laughs> I can tell you what kept me in there. Yes. <laughs> Gretchen was there and I was too embarrassed to leave and she might see me leaving. <laughs> I think that she kept us there. I think if Gretchen hadn't been in the room, I think I would have left. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we were watching her reactions because we were reacting to things and we were she was uh, in front of us and she didn't i don't think she even knew we were there to be honest but but we were very aware that we didn't want to let her down or something i don't know what it was that. so peer pressure elaine it was peer pressure yeah. <laughs> peer pressure can be very useful you know it makes me think of all the times that we have no idea that someone might be watching how we're responding or what we're modeling or taking cues from us simply because they're trying to figure out, is this safe? Is this okay? Um, could there be something here for me? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But if Gretchen had gone, gotten up, we would have been right behind her. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very surreal experience. It was. It yeah. Was. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> Are there other times where you can think that the breadth of your acceptance has been challenged in a Unitarian Universalist context? Well, well, I know I was concerned before we went that many of the people there were going to be so far out of my experience that I was, I was um, concerned that I would feel like I was rejecting them. Mm -hmm. It was almost just the opposite. Um, I thought it would be the extremists on the other side of things that was going to be difficult for me to accept. And in fact, it was the ex what feels like extremists on the more, for want of a better word, conservative end that was the one, the one that was hard for me to handle. So... It was just a, a surprise to me, really. So you um, thought you would encounter folks really on the fringes of what it means to even yeah, be. People yeah, people that yeah. were so over the top, uh, earth people or something, I don't know. I'm sure there were people that were do, doing all different kinds of religious practices, but um, we didn't happen to come across them. Mm -hmm. What we did come across was a more of the roots of Unitarianism, you know, in Christianity, and mm -hmm. um, and, and it was a sort of a shock. Would you do it again? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, the one of the things that we really it didn't really fit into the chalice lighting, but um, but the two of us just had a blast there, 
and it was it was a mixture of many things being in Portland, traveling together, you know, just having extended time to hang out together. We kind of felt like teenagers, like back in those days when you could just, you know, hang and be together and talk about the, you know, the musings that are niggling on your brain that you don't indulge in most situations. And, and we had, um, you know, we went to some breakout workshops that were interesting. And so we, we just had leisurely time to explore ideas and share perspectives Mm -hmm. that we, it was kind of an out of out of time, out of ordinary time space for us that we we just deeply enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. If I had one hope, I would hope that other people would experience the same uh, thing or shock um, to realize that a spouse is not always in sync with what how you act and and what you think. And that's a really good reminder uh, that that we've all got work to do in accepting all different kinds of people and practices. And um, it it felt to me like, like I mentioned before, a a wake-up call to really pay more attention to the, the welcoming all uh, idea is uh, is that's why I said at the end of my part it's not an easy thing when we're we're all in this together but it's not easy because we're not all thinking exactly the same and it's challenging to accept people that have very different ideas than yourself and intellectually we accept that idea but in practice it's hard. <laughs> really hard to do. I mean, I would love to see other people get that same experience of the GA and the, and the diversity that's there and experience it all as, as one unified whole. And I think it can be hard to open yourself up to being challenged or having your limits stretch, especially in a setting that's all about belonging. I feel yeah. like so much of of general assembly and even coming to church every Sunday is about what we share, what we have in common, um, and having a sense of belonging in a community. And so it can feel like somebody's disrupting your comfort place or, you know, ruining not well, maybe it does feel like ruining some place where you're able to take refuge or really relax or really be yourself. And so I, I love your point, Mary, because uh, that's not what being in faith community is about. We're here to be challenged and to grow and receive challenges that we never would have asked for or signed up for, right. don't know that we need. Yeah, right. And it's a hope, I guess, I'd say, that people feel free to express within our congregation to express their vision uh, or their theology mm-hmm. that might not be what the majority think or a belief but I think we've got work to do in terms of making it comfortable enough for people to express whatever they might their views might be maybe they're into Wicca or maybe they're into Christianity and it's not you know it's not 100% accepted within our congregation. 
So I would hope that we could get to the place where people feel safe enough that they can express it mm-hmm. and, and not be embarrassed to or or um, too vulnerable to express it. Yeah. I've been um, I've been revisiting both in my my head and, and the podcast from on being uh, with Krista Tippett an interview between Derek Black, who was the godson of David Duke, the head of the KKK. Um, And during college, he was invited for two years to have Shabbat dinner with a a Jewish uh, student named Matthew Stevens. And how they spent two years having dinner together before they ever talked about the obvious differences in their worldviews. And it makes me, it's just, it's, it's such a challenge, a, a positive challenge to think about where I need to open my heart to hear people. And, you know, if I can tune out Sadie Lansdale at a Unitarian convention when she's a highly respected minister within our collective community, it makes me wonder who else am I tuning out and at what expense? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Mary. I'm so grateful for your words and your honest, heartfelt reflections and the chance to visit with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Lane. (laughs) It is so good for the soul to be in conversation with honest, reflective people, to just lay it all out there and share that we are all still learning. We are all still in this becoming chapter of being human that never ends if we're paying any attention. This is something I really cherish about being a part of a church community, that this kind of exchange, this is our norm. This is the project that we're all in on together, growing our souls. I'm so grateful for Mary and Terry for sharing their souls and their growing experiences with us and reminding us that we are not alone. Thank you so much for making the time to join in this week's episode of the Foothills Deeper Pod. If you have a moment, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. This really does help people discover the show when they're typing keywords into Google, just trying to find the right something that might touch their lives in a meaningful way. And if you think there's anyone in your life who would resonate with the big questions we're wrestling with over here, please send them a link to the podcast. Please spread the word. And finally, thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad that we could be together today.